I'm Amber Tresca, and this is About IBD. I'm a medical writer and patient educator who lives with a J pouch due to ulcerative colitis. It's my mission to educate people living with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis about their disease and to bring awareness to the patient journey. Welcome to episode 146. A diagnosis of IBD doesn't only affect the person living with the condition. It has an effect on the entire family. IBD patients experience many unmet needs. One of the biggest gaps is in support for parents, families, and caregivers who have a child living with IBD. My guest is Lisa Fournier of IBD Connect. Lisa is the mother of two children who live with IBD. When her youngest was diagnosed at the age of four, she experienced firsthand how little support there was available for her family. She worked with her local hospital to start a support group. Years later, with her children now grown, she founded IBD Connect. Lisa tells me about why and how she started IBD Connect, what programs are currently being offered, and how the community, and that means you, dear listener, can support their mission. Lisa, welcome to About IBD. Thank you, Amber. I'm thrilled to be here. First, please, I wonder if you would take a minute and introduce yourself to the audience. Yes, my name is Lisa Fornia, and I have two daughters who have Crohn's disease, and I am the founder of IBD Connect. So, Lisa, as you just stated, you have two children who live with an IBD. So let's get into it. Would you start? by telling me a little bit about when they were diagnosed and what their disease journey has been like so far. Absolutely. It's kind of funny because one of my daughters was diagnosed at the age of four. She is now uh, 25. She's an RN in Colorado, but she was very young when she was diagnosed. And my other daughter, Jamie, was diagnosed at the age of 28. So I had a little bit of experience with both ends of the spectrum. We're having a very young child and also having an older adult diagnosed. Randy's journey, my young the one who was diagnosed at four, was very difficult. She was she is the youngest of four children. Her disease came on uh, fast and furious. So to bring that kind of chaos into a house, of her being the youngest, it, it really, it shook everybody up. We all had mm-hmm. our own struggles and our own, you know, journey with it. However, her first eight years were trial and error with oral medications. They didn't prescribe the biologics right off the, the bat with her. Mm-hmm. So she failed on biologics for eight years, which was very difficult to see, very difficult for her to experience. And then when she did get put on the biologics, she had she still had symptoms, but it was it was a game changer. Mm-hmm. It was much better for her. And then when she was about 14, I would say she really kind of felt the separation from her friends. She missed out on so much school. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't have a typical peer group that she could relate to. She had a few friends that were very close, but it wasn't the same as as what some of the other kids had. Mm-hmm. So that's where the initial let's find a support group came from. When she was in nursing school um, through college, 
she had an adverse reaction to her her uh, Remicade and ended up back mm-hmm. at the drawing board with another medication in her last semester of nursing school. Complicate that with COVID, and it was a very, very difficult journey for her. Mm-hmm. She seems to be much more balanced now, and she, as an adult and an RN, is much better at balancing it. My other daughter, Jamie... Growing up, she was she really helped me with Randy a lot. She was my right arm. She was very concerned about her little sister. She went to every appointment with me. When she was diagnosed as an adult, it was actually kind of difficult because she hadn't grown up with it. Yeah. Where Randy knew nothing of life before the disease, Jamie knew nothing of life with the disease. Mm-hmm. and saw how Randy struggled. And I think it was like a fear factor too. Mm-hmm. So they do have very different roads that they traveled. And of course, the road I traveled as a mother, you know, they, it wasn't very smooth. <laughs> Not with either child, nor with the yeah. others, that the other two that were boys. They, I mean, it was just a struggle all the way around. So with Randy, what year was that? Was that early aughts, 2001, 2002? Um, she was born in 98. So yes, it would be about 2002. So when she was diagnosed also, they weren't really using biologics, I think, in kids and in really little kids. No, not for children. Not for children. It w- they had to be really severe. And they also had to, they had to fail on the medications after a certain amount of time before they could move them up to the next level, which is absolutely painful to see your child struggling like that especially now that I know how much being on the biologics could have helped her prior to all these meds. So if the biologics had been available to her, do you think that you would have said yes to that? I've talked to so many parents who would prefer, who would have preferred not to use biologics in a, in a smaller child. They a lot of times have concerns. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I actually would have. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you put on any TV show and you hear, them talking about the medications. And I mean, the list of side effects that they can have is, you know, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's terrifying. So to put that into a child at the age of four or six or whatever young age, no, I don't think I would have done it, to be honest. It wasn't until I didn't have a choice. Right. Yeah. It also concerns me too, that at such a young age, you have your whole life to live and are you going to burn through all of your medical options? Like that's something yeah. that I think about too with the young people that are diagnosed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, where do you go from here? You know, it's like once mm-hmm. you once you burn through them. And yes, they come out with new medications and and you know, but I mean, you don't want to be in a situation where your disease is so severe that you just keep going through them. And you brought up an interest an interesting point too that I think about a lot. I was diagnosed at 16, so kind of, you know, in the middle between your two children. Mm. And so I had, I don't know what it's like to be a teenager without, or a young adult living with a condition like this, but between the two of them, they're both hard, but the difference being, as you said, Jamie knew life without it, and then I think you have to change your habits as an adult. I almost wonder if that's harder in a way. Well, it's kind of funny because I see that, you know, Randy is so nonchalant about it. Like it's 
not a big deal. You know, she was yeah. in she was in nursing school once and she called me and she's like, oh, when you get the bill from the ER, um, <laughs> I had MRSA, but don't worry, I'm still studying for my exam. And I'm like sitting here like someone just pulled the carpet out from under my feet. And it was so nonchalant. Like I, I, I've still got my books. Her concern was having her books with her to study in the ER. I mean, that is not normal. <laughs> it is to her. Totally yeah. normal to her. Totally normal to her. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, I'll watch for the bill. <laughs> That's hilarious. But it also to me is that story is so indicative of, pers- of a person living with IBD. That's mm-hmm. how we all are. We've just learned to roll with the punches. I don't know that that's always the right way to be. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess the alternative is worse. Like if you're going to be really like every little bump and bruise is going to horrify you. At least she has, she has the courage to just keep going. Right. For sure. (laughs) And then sometimes when you tell your story to people, they might be shocked because you almost never talk about it because it's a part of your life and you've sort of internalized it and normalized it. And then when you bring it up, people go, I had no idea you were living with all of this. Yeah, I I actually, I faced that a lot. And um, it's kind of funny because people, I often get the question, since you have children with IBD, why do you do this? Don't you ever want to like not deal with it anymore? Do you know what I'm saying? Like almost take a break from it now that my children are adults. And um, absolutely not. It took the opposite on me. Coming up next, learn about the programs that IBD Connect offers, including their warrior bags. As you said, you have a deep connection with the IBD community because of your two daughters, but also because you have founded the nonprofit IBD Connect. So let's get into that. Tell me about IBD Connect and why you founded it. I think I can probably guess why, but, and also what what your mission is. Um, Okay. So when I had mentioned about my daughter looking for peer, peer groups, We were looking for a support group in the area that she could go to, and we couldn't find one. So um, being the personalities that we are, we said, okay, we'll just start one. (laughs) So we actually did. We did do that. Um, And then I found that as she got older and more people would join the group, I kind of found that they would like talk about things that was that were going on. And I. I had been there. I had been there. Mm-hmm. I had made that mistake. I had, you know, done exactly what they did. And I said, well, wouldn't it be nice to be able to help them with the things that I stumbled over mm-hmm. and learned by experience? What a great thing it could be to help other families. So um, support groups weren't enough for me. So I decided to start this company so that I could provide financial resources. And mostly, I I felt that with Randy being part of the group, that it was so important for these kids to be empowered 
to help somebody else. There is nothing that makes you feel better about your own illness than to help someone else struggling with theirs. Mm -hmm. So our mission is to support patients when they are first diagnosed, engage them in activities that teach them about their illness, and empower them to make a difference for someone else. So we support, engage, and empower pediatric families. And that is where it all began. It's an incredibly important mission. And now you have grown. So take me through some of the things that your group does. And I want to start with the support groups because that is where you started. Can you tell me about how you began the groups, what kind of groups that you have today, and maybe if you're looking to expand into something in the future? Okay. Um, Yeah. Well, we had just, we had a support group that met once a month in Worcester um, at UMass Memorial Medical Center. That's where it all began. I have so much support from UMass um, and the physicians and the families that it, it was actually a very easy start for me. Mm. So I started my groups there, but I, but we uh, we have patients from many, many hospitals. You know, they're not all affiliated with UMass. They're affiliated with all mm-hmm. different hospitals. But anyway, we started with that and I began the company in 2019. I had been doing support groups for probably six years when I started Mm -hmm. the company. And then COVID quickly put a stop to that because we couldn't meet in person. So I learned how to do virtual meetings, which I am not not tech savvy, as you just figured out, but I managed. It's called Zoom. Anyway, so (laughs) I I was able to start virtual meetings, which kind of is really kind of funny because we ended up getting families from all over the country sure, who would jump on. Mm-hmm. So we now currently have our in-person meeting that does meet once a month. We have our virtual family meeting that meets once a month. And now I started a caregivers meeting because as a parent, we're all a little bit crazy And it's nice to be able to get online with the crazies and talk. You know, around your children, everything's always perfectly fine. Everything's good. Yes. Yes. You need need to vent. You need to cry. You need to Mm -hmm. share stories. You need to learn tips. So we have a meeting for just the caregivers once a month. Mm -hmm. And then we just recently launched a young adults group for ages 18 to 30 because we found that a lot of the kids have aged out of the group. So where they want to still continue to meet, now they have a virtual group. Mm -hmm. So that's currently what we have for for group meetings. That's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) I was going to (laughs) say. It's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. But obviously so needed because, as you said, you had people joining from all over the country when you were able to open it up on, uh, on a virtual meeting. So... You do have other programs as well. You have so much going on. It's 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 incredibly impressive. Uh, but well, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking of three in particular, and you can tell me if there are more. You have warrior bags. You have financial assistance, and you have scholarship programs. Yes. So I love these programs. I think they are exceptional and super important. So I want to learn more about those. Okay. So the warrior bags, we started these 
to be able to distribute that we gave them, we donate them to the hospitals Mm -hmm. and they are able to distribute them to patients upon diagnosis. It is a very scary moment when someone walks in your room and says, you have Crohn's disease. There is no cure. It's scary for the parent. It's scary for the child. Mm -hmm. It's scary all the way around. Mm -hmm. So we, we developed these, um, warrior bags and, um, I actually have one here that I can show you what exactly is in it. Well, I will if I can get it out from under my chair. Lisa's reaching under her chair to get out one of the warrior bags so that she can share it with the whole class. So we may or may not cut this. Depends on whether or not it's super funny. Oh, it's hysterical. (laughs) I'm I'm just a hot mess, okay? (laughs) All right. right. So now Lisa has her warrior bag. This is a really cute warrior bag. It says warrior. It says warrior. It's got a purple ribbon on it. It's a drawstring bag Mm -hmm. and it has a few goodies in it. Mm -hmm. It looks very full. (laughs) It's very full. But the secret to the the goodies is that, first of all, the kids suggested what we put in it. Oh, yeah. It is all about empowering them. Of course. And some of the things they actually designed. Nice. First, we give them this IBD Warrior t-shirt. And if you mm-hmm. notice, it's not. It's all in black and white because they get a set of fabric markers to color in the superheroes. Nice. So they receive that. And then they receive an IBD Connect water bottle because we all know how important it is to stay hydrated. We all have to drink that water. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> and maybe I'll have to send you a water a, a bag. Then we have donated from Poopery, of course, the all-important bathroom spray. Mm -hmm. Then they get, oh, these are great. These are actually custom-designed fabric for our nonprofit. That's Crohn's and Colitis Warriors. Mm -hmm. And they're hand-sewn by one of our um, members. Wow. And you heat them up, and they're great for, like, stress relief. So, Lisa, I have some of those, not from IBD Connect, but I have some of those heating pads. The one that you just showed was so long. It's probably twice as long as a lot of the ones that I've seen. It's and amazing. It's amazing because, yes, you can get that all the way around yep. your neck. Yep. The one that I have is too short. <laughs> I am going to send you a package. You're going to be a pediatric child for a day. (laughs) Only a day. Can I have a week? Because I would really like to be pampered a little bit more. When I show you my other products, you might want to be. They get this great coloring book with a set of colored pencils because we sit at doctor's appointments. Yes. And then they get a deck of cards. But the special thing about the deck of cards is we make custom stickers designed by one of the kids. I just, de- mm-hmm. they designed the, the sticker. I cut them all out on my Cricut machine and they put them on the decks of cards and they have inspirational messages from one child to another. Mm. Oh my God. And last but the best is our stress ball shaped like uh. a poop emoji. <laughs> <laughs> so this bag is given to the kids and I have to tell you, they absolutely love them. Yeah. They have great products. And, and you know what? If it helps them through a difficult time, we're so happy to do it. Mm-hmm. So today we've given out over 75 of them. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're, they're just, we hear great things from the hospital about them. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's super important you ask the kids what they would like to receive. I think so many times as adults, we think we know, but when you ask them and they give you honest responses, then you can truly do the right thing. And the coloring, even when I was diagnosed, I had coloring books because you're sick, you know, you really don't feel like doing anything. What else are you going to do? Yes, you're usually sitting somewhere waiting for a test or waiting for the doctor or whatever, and you can always color. And now it's a whole huge industry that they even have so many coloring books for adults to to release stress. So it's actually really, I mean, we've, we have, you know, the kids absolutely love them. And, um, you know, every, every time we make a new batch, sometimes we'll refine something or just Mm -hmm. somebody will make a suggestion and we can update it. But that's, you know, it, basically it's been the same products, just some, so, like when we ordered the custom fabric. Yeah. I, an, an art student designed it for us. How could I not? That's amazing. So it's it's a great thing. Well, you'll see it. I'm going to send you one. <laughs> so, all right, warrior bags. Those are fantastic. So what about, you have a financial assistance mm-hmm. program, which I think is so important, and a scholarship program. So how do those two work? Yes, we, um, the financial assistance program, let me tell you a little story. Yeah. When I was, when Randy was, I don't know, in her teens or I used to have this collection of shoe boxes. Mm-hmm. One was for the bills that had gone to collection and one was for the bills that had not. Oh boy. That was still current. Yeah. Because, okay, let's face it. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. Even the best insurance plans leave a lot of out-of-pocket expenses. hundred percent. So mm-hmm. this program is people can apply for financial assistance um, if they're having out-of-pocket medical expenses, if they're, um, let's say they have a child who needs like a a formula, you know, a certain formula or a liquid diet or anything like that. Those are not covered by insurance. Right. So anytime when someone is in a state of need, there is an application on our website that they can fill out and send it in. And, um, you know, we take it from there, we review it. And if we are in a position to help, we certainly do. Mm-hmm. Last year, we were able to help four families. And, you know, we're hoping as we grow to be able to do more and more. Of course. So that that is the basis of the financial assistance program. Um, you know, it, it can be, it, it's actually pretty well explained on the application. You know, you if you're mm-hmm. out of work because you're taking care of your child and PF, you know, paid family medical leave only covers a certain percentage. There are extenuating circumstances all over the place. And that's what we try to do. We try to help people. Which is amazing. And it is truly something that that people need, but it is in short supply, frankly. Um, And then you also have a scholarship program. What is that program like? Um, Every uh, year, we've been able to grow it um, quite a bit. We used to give out one $500 scholarship to a graduating senior. Now we're giving out two $1,000 scholarships. And what it is, is there's an essay that they, with the application where they have to describe in detail something positive that came from the diagnosis, because there's so much negativity that surrounds a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. But as a family that has lived through it, there are also a lot of blessings that come from it. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what we like to see. We like to see them go off and be, you know, they miss a lot of school. 
So maybe their grades yeah. aren't where they want them to be. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little positive thing that's just for IBD students, you know, the graduating seniors. Mm-hmm. And hopefully they have gained something positive and, um, you know, we're able to award them a scholarship. I think that's probably a question that they're not very often asked is is what is the positive side of living through this. And so thinking about that may also be another avenue into coping with the disease in a different in a different way and thinking about it in a different way. Uh, yeah, and I think I think we tend to forget that like um I don't know about anybody else's family, but my family, my especially myself and my children, we were so close. We had to learn to work as a unit. Mm-hmm. Who's picking up this child? You know, once one of them got the license, who's picking up this child? I'm at the hospital all day. You know, who's still, you learn to work as a unit as opposed to doing everything yourself. You have to. You have to. It's with four, it's all hands on deck. (laughs) Well, yeah, you'll see that or I was crazy. So (laughs) maybe a little above. Up next, find out how you can support the mission of IBD Connect. Right. So there are ways that you are helping the community, but the community Mm -hmm. can also help you help IBD connect. What are some of the things that people can do to support your mission? Well, that is a really good question. So I actually thought a lot about this one. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, because people often ask, what can I do? Of course. So I think the most important thing is to get the word out there. That, that we are here for them. Mm-hmm. We, we are the boots on the ground. There are a lot of organizations mm-hmm. that are looking for a cure, organizations that are doing research. We like to think of ourselves as a village. We are your IBD village, walking with you, helping you get through this. So spreading the word, you know, if you hear uh, or your doctor's office, your pediatrician's office, you know, put the word out there. Mm -hmm. You can email me for product. I can send water bottles or whatever, just so that we get the word out because I know the impact of it and I don't want to see a child feeling alone. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a hard thing. Um, Every year we have a virtual 5K um, that we do usually in end of September, beginning of October. We've had teams formed Mm -hmm. in South Carolina, team in Maine, form a team, help us fundraise. Everything we do is, is through fundraising efforts. Mm -hmm. And right now we do two fundraisers a year and that's it. If you're local, jump on a meeting. You want to learn about it? Our kids would be thrilled to teach you about it. It's amazing how much they know and how much they want to share and how much it's empowering to them. Mm -hmm. And and you wouldn't, you would be surprised at it. Like listening to a 10 year old child talk about the medications and they can say them better than me. Like it's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) They know about the testing. They know they know so much. Let them share their information. Uh, join a virtual meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, or if somebody wants to, if they know a company that wants to sponsor us, you know, help us out like that right. way. Any of those things. Or even address it via email. Send me an email. Mm-hmm. We have new programs we want to be starting soon. So there's all, we're mm-hmm. always looking for resources. Mm-hmm. I think another thing that people can do to support your mission is to share on 
social media, share a link to a support group. So how can people do that uh, so that they can get involved? Um, We are both on Instagram and Facebook under IBD Connect Inc. Also, Mm -hmm. our website has so many resources and all of our product and all of our group meetings. Subscribe to our newsletter. Um, We we can be found at ibdconnectinc.org. And you subscribe to our monthly newsletter and it, there's just so much information in it. We also do, uh, we do outings a couple times a year, you know, and, and people are invited to join us. I, I love the, I love teaching people about it. I love people's, you know, learning, getting some knowledge about what IBD is and how it impacts a child because it, it is a tough journey. It is a very tough journey. Really. And, and very lonely, I think, at points, especially for, for parents and primary caregivers. I, uh, along the way, I've, I actually, in my own journey with it, I, um, you know, I've had several friendships that I had to kind of just back off from because they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a hard thing. Yeah. And I, I think putting it in perspective, I often use this analogy. When we used to go to the mall, back when people went to the mall, okay, um, <laughs> Malls are empty now. I just want you to know that. But back when they were full, <laughs> and that was the best place to go, and all the kids wanted to go to the mall. And I remember mm-hmm. my older daughter, when she went, because she didn't have crumbs yet, and they would talk about what stores they were going to, where they were going to eat, and how the fun, and pick us up at 4 o'clock, and blah, blah. Mm-hmm. When I went with my younger daughter with crumbs, we talked about where the bathrooms were. Where the bathrooms were. Mm-hmm. Which stores would allow her to use their bathroom if she, if it was an emergency? Mm-hmm. And if there was anything that she was able to eat? Mm-hmm. That is the reality of IBD right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm so impressed with the work that you do. I love your social media. I have, of course, subscribed to your newsletter. But Lisa, just for a couple of minutes, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to ask you about yourself. <laughs> About me? She's like, oh. oh no, yeah. About you? She's like, oh no, I don't want, I don't want to do that. That's not right. Uh, <laughs> but Lisa, I read that you love a craft. What kind of? Cra- you said you have a, a cricket machine. What kind of stuff do you get into with that? Yes, I love my cricket. Um, I love to make shirts. I love to make mugs. I love to do for my grandchildren. I do their birthday party decorations. I make banners, and I love crafting. I don't mm-hmm. have enough time for it, but I mm-hmm. absolutely love it. I make scrapbooks for my grandchildren in my spare time. <laughs> in other words, I give I up love sleep. That. <laughs> right. I'm so far behind on the baby books and the scrapbooking. And I love a craft also. I have a, a cricket machine that does not get used often enough because I'm currently finding it a little overwhelming. But I'll get there. I primarily do a lot of needle crafts, but something that happened recently, which is so hilarious, is that it has taken me so long to fill out the baby books and put in the photos and do all the scrapbooking that now my children are old enough that they are doing it themselves. (laughs) That's hysterical. Well, if it's any consolation, Randy's baby book is actually still in the box and everything... (laughs) Oh, wait, this gets better. Everything is written on napkins and thrown in the box with... However, however, I did save all my children's favorite clothes growing up. And for their 18th birthday, they did get a quilt made with them. 
I love that. I wish I had thought of that. I save an awful lot of things. Uh, the clothes I really didn't save. I just picked out their favorite pieces. Like the favorite ones, yeah. The favorite ones growing up. Like, you know, the boys ones that say how they can't stand their sister and this and that and <laughs> all that good stuff. And then you put it on a T-shirt and it's like, remember when you were that mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that all of the little things that I have saved that will eventually go into a baby book or a scrapbook, they are very well organized. They, they are. Oh, see, you're organized. a step ahead of me then. <laughs> Mine are thrown in a box on a napkin. They just, they just haven't actually made their way into a, a beautiful book or some other form. Well, and people warned me it would happen. And I said, mm-hmm. oh, no, that, will that won't happen. happen to me. I'm not new. I am on top of these things. Uh, yeah, little, <laughs> little, little did I know. I spent the holiday break going through the thousands of unorganized photos that I have. Oh, my goodness. I am still not done. (laughs) Well, at least they're developed. I found about 12 instant cameras that have never been developed. (laughs) I just, and also, I have all of the negatives from when we used film. So I have a lot of (laughs) film, and then I also have a lot of digital that then now I need to decide which ones to get printed. I do I keep the negatives? Do I give them away? I don't. I don't even know what to do at this point with half of this stuff. Well, you know, it's so overwhelming. It's it is. It's so overwhelming, and you think going through that this is going to treasure this forever. I got so desperate once I almost used the napkins that I wrote all our stuff on because I was. <laughs> I wouldn't actually do that, but I came close. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, I try to be conscientious about it, but uh, there's always something that comes up that gets in the way. So, Like uh, talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> like, ta- you know, <laughs> talking to anybody, really, because I will literally just talk to anybody, which is kind of a problem. Uh- <laughs> I think it's great. I actually really enjoyed talking with you. Oh, well, I'm glad. <laughs> okay. Lisa, I want to do my part to get the word out so that more people can find you, can help support your programs, and then if they are in need of them, that they can take advantage of what you have to offer. So thank you so much for speaking with me today, of course, and then also for everything that you're doing for the IBD community, because you you know you're seeing who you're touching but there is a there is a halo effect to this in that for every person you touch they're going out and they are helping someone else who's living with IBD or a different chronic condition and so the extent of it uh has to go really really far farther than probably you ever intended <laughs> and it's it's such important work and I'm so glad that you're doing it thank so you. thank you so much And there's the blessing in it right there. Hey, super listener. Thanks to Lisa Fournier for finding the time to talk to me about IBD Connect. As Lisa said, local nonprofits are really the boots on the ground when it comes to supporting the needs of patients. These groups are where people can meet other families, learn about local resources, and get support when difficult or emergency situations crop up. Be sure to follow IBD Connect on the Instagram and on the Facebook and head to their website at ibdconnectinc.org. That's ibdconnect, 
www.ifinc.org. As always, links to a written transcript, everyone's social media handles, and more information on the topics we discussed is in the show notes and on my episode 146 page on aboutibd.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, until next time, I want you to know more about IBD. About IBD is a production of Mal and Tal Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by me, Amber Tresca. Mix and sound design is by Mac Cooney. Theme music is from Cooney Studio.